Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Ears International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. There is a couple of things I don't know if you guys caught um, when she said that we have the opportunity to have a grandfather. I think you said grandfather. And we're getting the fullness of who he is. So Missy pulls up to service tonight and she catches my dad getting out of his car and he decides that he's going to grab all the snow that he can get and he starts making the biggest snowball. And I look at Missy, he doesn't care. Like he's not going to look at your cute shoes and think, oh, that's a girl. He goes like this, legs up, and totally chucks it at Missy's face. (laughs) And then all of a and then, and then we look over and all of a sudden he's like, he's going like this and he's running in the parking lot and Kaya's throwing a snowball at him and all I see him do is jump over it and keep on running. <laughs> so when she's talking about receiving a grandfather that lets you sit on his lap and play, that's an aspect of the father that typically what we see in religion is not there, right? It's come, be proper, be quiet and yet you've got a grandfather running around in our parking lot throwing snowballs <laughs> at the grandkids, right? And, uh, and, and so, anyway, so that was awesome. Missy just asked me, so have you ever been sent in by a mother and father? And no, I have not, so that was awesome. Um, I was thinking about it when Missy was having us pray. I know this might sound kind of earthly, but when she said, you need to get louder than what's getting loud, did I not say a couple of months ago, Something's going to get loud. Remember, I said that. This was before any of this had come out. I said, if we are not, whether we are or are not, something is going to get loud. So when she was talking about in the decade of pay, which is the Hebrew letter for this decade, has to do with getting loud. It has a lot to do with breath and how interesting is it that this is what's getting loud. So what I was thinking about when she was activating us and praying is it was making me think on earth, how many times have you swiped through Facebook? Just like lately, how many times could that be a prayer? And Derek's like, one time. (laughs) Derek is officially on Facebook, and I love having my son on Facebook because now we can, you know, talk about cars. (laughs) But it's like thinking about how you can swipe, and each swipe could be a prayer instead of each swipe being, what's going on with toilet paper? Wait, what's going on with what? Wait, what's, what got just shut down? Wait, what's happening? And you're just constantly swiping and just being fed by news, by news, by news, by news, by news, versus what does God say? What does God say? What does God say? What does God say? So there's a reality when she says get loud. Could we be as bold as to inundate social media more so than what social media is highlighting? Could that be possible? But yet I'm not seeing it. In fact, I'm seeing the closest people to me that I would think would be all like fired up for God are emailing me. We need to be preppers. God's been speaking about this and all. And I'm just, what has happened to you? What has happened to the kingdom people that I was around? And all of a sudden it's like, we're going to be quarantined. It's just, it's constant. It's constant talk about everything that's the opposite. And so... I just thought that that was interesting about getting loud. Think about that when you're swiping through the news and you're on your phone. There's been so many things that have hit this world, right? Everything is from from flu. I mean, I remember Y2K, we were going to lose the entire computer system. 
right? But we didn't hear about it as much because we didn't have access to that social media to constantly be causing this whatever this is. And I, uh, hopefully it's okay to quote this really awesome person that came into my house yesterday. He goes, you know what? It's not going to be the coronavirus that's going to kill us. It's going to be all the stupid people that don't know how to react to what's happening. It's not the virus that's going to kill us, but it's us freaking out, filled with fear and not responding, but reacting. And I think Amber said it best when you're in a grocery store and all of a sudden you, you see other people filled with fear. It's almost like there's this, um, there's got to be a scientific word for it, but it's like you have to match the environment. Well, if they're scared, then I must be scared. Okay, now hold on a second. Didn't we just talk about us being kingdom people? And haven't we talked about transforming the, the, the environment of Walmart? Why is that able to transform the environment of Walmart? And you immediately fear can grip an entire grocery store, transform the feeling of it, and change what they buy based on that feeling but we're walking around like we have no power could you imagine if we had that kind of power to walk in where you walk in with the kingdom i'm not talking about in response to this i'm talking about in general walking into walmart with such a freedom of abundance and giving and joy that everybody just starts laughing and buying things for other people but for some reason, we don't see that, but we have, such a, we have such an opportunity where we're seeing people operate under other spirits, and it's so uh, pre- prevalent. Anyways, so I want to just thank you guys. For those who are actually sitting in this building, you guys surpassed a snowstorm, the coronavirus, and spring break. Woo! <laughs> How awesome is that? And for those of you tun- tuning in on, on live, you, you're on. <laughs> um, with all that to say, though, I do want to do something because I want to keep our hearts postured with what Missy activated, right? I don't want that to leave as we begin to, as we begin to release what it is that the Lord wants to say. I want us to stay in that position of encouragement. Because what's about to be released is not in response to what's going on, but it's what the Lord's already said. And so we're going to focus on that and not focus on other things. But I want us to be prepared for that because I need us to shake off what she was saying. Everything that the, what the enemy has been trying to put on us so that we can come in um, freed from that dirt to be able to receive what he does want to say. Does that make sense? So I want us to stay in that place. And whatever that looks like for you, if you want to stand up, you can stand up. If you want to walk around, you can walk around. If you just need to sit there and listen to this. But I'm going to ask Gabe, is that okay to play that um, that link that I sent you? I want, um, I want us just to kind of start off the night listening to this and receive this. Don't just listen to it, but receive it fully into who you are and be able to dispense it through the generations. Like I want it to trans, I want it to transcend um, realms, if that makes, I don't want it to just be like a nice encouragement to get us ready. I want, I want it to really just, I want you to receive this in a deep way. Together with Pastor Chris and Pastor Steven on Thursday to just, go in after the presence of God and try to pen lyric and melody and after a couple of hours it just felt like the presence of God just stopped everything and we wrote a song called The Blessing 
and it's straight from scripture and it's the heart of the father over us as his kids and we're gonna sing it this morning if that's okay and this is a blessing over you and your family and your children so just receive this this morning just put your hands out in front of you turn your heart to a place of just receiving the blessing of heaven from God himself over you this morning His favor be upon you and a thousand 
generations and your family and your children and their children and their children yeah. may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a
amen. He is for you. His presence goes before you in the morning, in the evening, a thousand generations for your family, for your children, and your children, and your children, and your children, and your children. So I just want you guys to, I want you guys to receive that, and I hope that you guys hear me right when I said what I said about stupid people. I don't want anyone thinking that I'm calling anyone stupid, (laughs) but it's that spirit that runs rampant to deter us from what he said or how we can be bold about the things that he said, like Missy saying that we can say in this blood, in this bloodline, not in my house. And yet the same people can be like, (gasps) you know what I mean? That we are allowed to say in this region, right? It's not in this region. It's not in my house. It's not in this bloodline that we can be as bold when we're up here preaching, saying amen. But when it's reality and you've got to go to the grocery store to have that kind of boldness is what I'm talking so boldly about. Does that make sense? Not necessarily on how people choose to handle it, but making sure that you're operating and submitted under who is telling you what to do and how to do it and not Facebook, not the media, not fear or anything else, but it's what he says. And I want to raise up a generation where it's not just easy to say amen, but then we don't know how to walk it out. We're gonna get to that tonight because as we talk about this fourth pillar, which you guys did an amazing job kind of just um, recapping where we've been. I'm gonna do that just a little bit just to kind of prep us. But in this, fourth peer, uh, in this fourth pillar, when we're talking about knowing, I wanna explain something to you guys because it's gonna get, the reason why I really, honestly, the reason why I wanted that song over you is because I need you to receive the blessing because what he's about to release is gonna be um, intense not hard, not, but it's intense. And here's why. We are a company of people that have gone from religion to relationship. Yes? In religion, we were excited to get out of the once a week shot, right? We were like, oh, Jesus is first. The first thing that had to happen is our Sunday morning. I'm just going to kind of take us through some history, okay? So first, the first thing that happens is when you, when, when you're, uh, when you're really saved, I mean, you could be in church, right, for years and not be saved, right? So when I mean like when salvation hits you and you genuinely have been rescued out of the pit and you realize this is a good thing, right? He's a good father. He's not here to condemn me and punish me, but he's here to get me out of what has been condemning me, right? He's not here to say you, I'm going to condemn you, but I'm here to get you out of what's been condemning you because we have the same enemy and you're not my enemy, Right? That's salvation. We grow up thinking, ah, I'm against God. And he's like, no, we're on the same team, but you've had something that's after you, and I'm after the thing that's after you, right? So when you wake up to salvation, then the first thing that happens is on your Sunday morning, Sunday morning becomes alive. Right? You don't just check in and, uh, it's church. Right? At least for me, it was just like, I guess this is what we have to do versus being excited about church. So then all of a sudden we get saved and we're excited about the once a week shot in the arm, right? Then God was like, okay, now that you're excited about me once a week, could we make this daily? Wait, I don't have to just see you at church? Like I can have you at home? Yes, I'm real all the time. Not just when the preacher's talking to you, but when you're alone. Like it's all the time, right? So then we got excited about like living with him every day. 
And that's where we are right now. Yay, it's not just about Friday night, right? We're a family. I'm not concerned about the coronavirus and if I run out of toilet paper because I have a ton of family (laughs) that if we just need to hang out, this is going to be really fun, right? I mean, you guys okay with that? Because I I don't know what's going on. So if all of a sudden I'm behind, I'll just be at your house. But think about it, though. What did Kendra say? You said it so perfect. It's not... For the sake of family, it's because of family. It's not for family, but it's because of family. I don't remember how you said it, but it was perfect. That even with all of this stuff that's going on, the reason why there's fear is it's because I might be by myself and I am gonna have to become self-sufficient. But when you have a genuine connection, not just on Sunday, the fear kind of alleviates, right? Because there's an aspect where there's a lot of people that are freaking out and they go to church at big churches with lots of people. I'm seeing it right now. We'll have somebody in the hospital and they'll go to a church and there's none of their church people are around. But Missy is, Gabby is, Fishy is, Derek is, because it's about family. It's not about where you attend. So it's the same thing. You can be part of a church and freaking out because you have no connection but the connection is what release, what, what alleviates fear. So, right, so we've been a people that have gone from the once a week excitement that he's real, yay, I can, I can get on my face once a week. And then it's like, oh, I can be on my face all the time, okay? Well, now he's saying with this, there's more. Right? So it's going to be intense because you're like, oh, I thought if I had him every day, right? He goes before you every morning, every evening, Okay, so what's going to happen here is how are you walking with him daily? So what I want to present to you in this pillar is, I don't know if it's just you guys or if it's just something I've read. Are people talking on their phone? What's going on? Oh, oh, he's researching something. How many of you have heard this? I know none of you guys have experienced it. I've never experienced it. But how many of you have been married and you've lived with someone daily and you're not connected at all? I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm just saying I've read about it. I've heard about that. I've heard about the fact that you can live as roommates or you can, you know, live daily, right? So, so think about it, you, right? You're, I'm trying to think of like an analogy. So it would be like getting married and then you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm married. We could be intimate once a week. Yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden it's like, no, there's more. There's daily. And then all of a sudden you're walking daily and then you realize, oh, there was a different type of walking daily. I thought we just had to like live with each other. Like I just had to invite you in on my day. I didn't realize I had to like have you in on my day and then you had to transform my day and then I actually had to like become your day. Right? There's going to come a difference when we start tapping into this because we've gone from once a week to daily living and now he's going to start to express to us what does that look like to begin to walk with him daily because the scripture I'm going to bring to you tonight is that famous scripture where he's uh, the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus says, you've done all this in my name and I never knew you. 
So you've done all this in my name, guys. Seriously, we can even move from salvation and go, oh my gosh, aren't we amazing? We're not even crisis to crisis anymore. We get to like build. And all of a sudden we've built all this. And he's like, you've done all this in my name and I never knew you. So this is the analogy. Seven years, probably seven years. Did it take me about seven years to break away from my parents? Maybe seven, eight, maybe, maybe still, I don't know. <laughs> but I was a brewer. I got married. I was Tanya Brewer. I was a, I was a brewer. I carried his name. I did all these things in Tanya Brewer's name. I did all these things in his name, but I walked like a Canaan. Okay? I did all these things in his name. I signed Tanya Brewer but I identified with a Canaan. I, behind closed doors, I'm carrying your name, but for the way your family does finances is not. The Canaans know how to carry finances. In Tanya Brewer's name. Right? In Jesus' name, my way. I'm gonna slap Jesus' name in my way right? I can be fully covenant and carry the name of Christ my way. So in this pillar, he's going to, he's going to break, he's going to deal with that. He's going to say, if you're going to do all these things in my name, you better know what my name carries. Because if you know what my name carries, then you're going to be dealing with the ministry of reconciliation, dealing with the breaches in your life. And, you know, and then you're going to have to deal with the blood versus, you know, Right? So there's a lot that's going to come with this pillar. You guys ready? It's going to be good. But it's going to be intense. Is that making sense? There's just another level that we're getting at. And so just to kind of recap, basically what the Lord has showed us at the beginning of the Hebrew year was that we are going to be moving from salvation into building. All this means is, is that we recognize as a people that salvation is what is absolutely the foundation. It's needed, but it's not where you stay. Meaning salvation, he rescued you, but he rescued you for what? He didn't rescue you so he can just keep rescuing you and then just keep rescuing. He will, he will, but how many of you wanna break that cycle of the once a week? I'm really, really good. Oh my gosh, I'm really, really full of fear. I'm really, really good. Oh, I'm full of anxiety. I'm really, really good. His presence are so good, but I just can't handle life, right? There's that, there's that back and forth. It's that double-minded. It's that, it's the heaven, earth, heaven, earth. It's just this up and down. That's because you're living from, he's just gonna keep rescuing me because I'm gonna choose to live without him. And then all of a sudden it's gonna get so bad, I'm gonna need him. So then he comes and he rescues me. And then you say, oh, and then you just live without him, and then he comes and he rescues. The state of the church is typically in this cycle. It's constantly hospital-based. I'm sick, I'm well. I'm sick, I'm well. I'm sick, I'm well. And he's so good, he'll do that. He's not going to not rescue you. But he's saying, if you're kingdom people, if you inherited my bloodline, could it be that over 2,000 years ago, I did all the work so that you... Right? So that, so that you could then go and be the one that you're rescuing the people that need to hear his voice. Because what's happening is, is we're so stuck in ourselves that we're constantly needing that rescue that we never position ourselves to actually be the one to go and rescue. So we're never giving, we're always taking. We're hoarding. 
keeping him to ourselves. We're not ever dispensing what it is that he gives us. And so he's giving us revelation that we're moving from need-based Christianity, need-based salvation. Great, it's there, but maturity in Christ. It says to leave the elementary things. And raising people from the dead is elementary. Scripture says that, right? So it's not so much this, but now he's transitioning us into really understanding what it looks like and what it, what it means to begin to build in kingdom principles. And like they said, some of the kingdom principles that have been coming out, this is the, this is the, the foundational structure of what's being built. I believe there's going to be many floors. There's going to be great revelation. There might be 12 pillars. We don't know. Right now we're on pillar four. This pillar's blood versus blood. Like they said, the revelation of being able to really understand what a bloodline means. We don't just say family, but what does family really mean? right? Then we've got the ministry of reconciliation, which is basically dealing with the breaches in our life, right? His DNA, my DNA, huge breach, but he's been giving us the ministry of reconciliation to be able to deal with those breaches, to going into then, how do you deal with those breaches? The only way to deal with those breaches is to walk in him. How did he walk on the water? Okay? He walked differently than anyone else. He walked, he taught his disciples to walk different, to get from point A to point B. He just walked completely different. But then what did he reveal the last time we taught? The only way to walk in him, right? 1 John 2 says that you have to know me to be able to walk in me. So a lot of the reasons why we're not seeing the church walk in his ways partly could be because we're so self-absorbed and so consumed and needing to be rescued. We never get to the point where we learn how he walks. But we can't learn how he walks if we don't know who he is. If we're not living with him but, but eating of him, right? Most of the disciples, I still always love this, most of the disciples after one of his first sermons was when he got up so boldly and said, I am the bread of life, eat me. In the flesh. That would be like me, guys, saying, I am the bread of life. Eat me. Most of you, and it's happened, all got up and was like, they're weird. That's exactly what happened in the Gospels. Most of the multitude, seven, seven sentences later, completely got up and walked away. It was too harsh for them to understand what does eat of me mean. He's basically saying, you can't just follow me around. You can't just live with me. But if you want what I have, you're going to have to eat of me daily. So what we're going to be learning with knowing is not just inviting him into my home every day where I carry his name, but completely separate, right? It's in, in him. So what I want to do tonight is I want to tackle the word knowing. The word know. You guys okay with that? Okay. So this pillar means knowing. And tonight I want to break down what the word know means. You guys all have heard me minister it before, that the word knowing is actually sexual intimacy, right? Is that news to anybody? So the word knowing, in the very beginning of the Bible, it says Adam knew Eve and they bore a son. The word know in the Old Testament actually is a word for sexual intimacy and it's a deeper level of knowing. So it's not the English word knowing like I have knowledge of you, but I know you so intimately that there's the ability to be able to conceive and bear something and multiply because we are so intimate of knowing. And, and isn't it amazing that we have a creator that wants to be known by you and to know you? 
to the depth of, I don't want to know about you, but I want to know you so intimately that I know your insides and I want to be able to give you something to bear into this earth. That's that level of knowing. So when we talk about knowing, there's some real depth to that. And I want to give some context of how deep that is by defining that word. And the reason for that is my goal tonight is to lay a foundation for this word, for us to really grasp the intensity of the word knowing. Because it's so easy to use the English word and be like, yes, we are going to focus on knowing each other and totally miss what the Hebrew context of knowing is. And I wanna lay a good solid teaching foundation because the month of April from what I've heard is that we have uh, Megan and John who carry that word very deep inside of them and they have decided that they wanna release for the entire month of April in the knowing. But I feel like we won't be able to handle that level of release about knowing if we don't have a foundational context in scripture of what this really means. Because what's gonna be presented and what's gonna be released is an on earth tangible expression of what he's trying to say in the scriptures. And it's not for the weak in heart. Is that how I say that? Faint of heart. Okay, so. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, the scriptures to write them down. I'm trying to figure out how I want to get through this. But if you guys remember the last time I taught Song of Solomon was what the Lord really laid on my heart. Do you guys remember that? So I'm going to kind of go through. I am not going to teach on Song of Solomon, but I do want to release Song of Solomon over you guys because I really want you guys to take this home and chew on these chapters. It's not something I'm able to get into, but I want to give you some context for each chapter so that when you're reading Song of Solomon, you're understanding what it is that he's releasing through the chapters. Does that sound okay? Because there's a real aspect of, think about it. If the word knowing is sexual intimacy... Song of Solomon is just kind of like right there. So it's going to give us the Hebrew context to a lot of dynamics that are going to be coming. Does that, does that make sense? So, uh, so let's just write, so just write this down. So Song of Solomon, if you guys are writing things down, Song of Solomon, I'm just going to kind of quickly go through this. Chapters one and two, I highly suggest, let me give you guys some tips on Song of Solomon because somebody, and I'm doing this and I hope that this is okay. And if you guys are farther ahead of, than me, Awesome. We'll, we'll all catch up. But I had somebody say, I have tried to read Song of Solomon over and over and over again. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense, and I don't understand it. So I want us to be okay to understand it because it's, it's extremely, there are, there are multiple levels to Song of Solomon. Is it about a natural relationship? Absolutely. Is it also about him and the bride? Yes. And so this is what, this is what I want to get at. So chapters one and two, sorry, I'm losing my, I'm losing my track The advice that I would give you, take some time to read all of it in one sitting. Don't try to understand it. Don't try to dive into it. Just read the whole thing start to finish in one sitting. Then go through each chapter and really try to highlight each chapter. For me, this is what I did. Try to highlight each chapter and what is the overarching, what is he saying in this chapter? And you'll begin to track the outline of the overall redemption story and the journey that we're all going to be on and have been on since last October, okay? Then once you've done that, then you can start going in through what are cheeks of pomegranate? In English, cheeks of pomegranate doesn't make any sense. In Hebrew, it makes a lot of sense. 
So, so then you can start going through line by line. But okay, so chapters one and two is pretty much an introduction. It's identity as a fiance. And you guys know I've said this all the time. If I can deal with being a son in the scripture, you can all deal with being a bride. Right? Neither male nor female. But as the bride of Christ, for us to identify ourselves as the one that is being wooed by him as, as a fiancé. I guess in some, in some aspects you could look at it as, um, you know how people will say he's coming for the spotless one. It's that journey of before that. It, it's, it's, that, that's, it's that journey of engagement. So that's chapters one and two. Then you've got chapter three, it's the dark time. Any of you guys have just been like overwhelmed and asked to be, you know, married, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, real life. There's that dark time, chapter three. Uh, chapter four is gonna be a lot of his perspective about us and our yes. Chapter five, remember I read this last time. This has a lot to do with after we say yes. What happens after we say yes? It requires a response. But what happens when you get scared after you say yes and your response is delayed? Do you remember that in chapter five? It was this a beautiful story of her being like, there was a little bit of a delay and he, he left. And so, there, so there's, a resp- there's, a, there's a response and a delay. That's chapter five. But then you get into chapter six and you, right now, this is what I believe we are in right now. Remember last time it was chapter five. Where we are right now is a lot of us are in chapter six in the context of knowing because it was up to her in chapter six after she delayed in her response to go and pursue and find him. Most of us here say, oh, no, no, no. You don't have to find the Lord. He's going to come find me. I get to just stay in bed and do whatever I want. And he's just going to come rescue me when I get myself in a mess. But this story shows the responsibility of the bride who delayed in her response after he pursued, after he gave her her identity, after he betrothed her, after he, uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but after he, he gave her everything she needed, then she delays in her response and it was her choice to get up out of the bed, out of the dark place and pursue him and go find him. Chapter six. A little bit of a, for me anyways, it feels like a little bit of a shift in the way that we've always been taught the gospel. It's always been, come here and he'll meet you, right? And now it's like, what if you're to go out and find him? Okay, things begin to, to shift a little bit, okay? So that's six. It's pursuit, him. Now, now catch chapter six where she goes. You're going to see some cool you're going to see some cool things. Number 1, just a couple of little tidbits. You're going to find him in her. I'll just leave that there. You're going to find him in her. And then you're also going to find him in the people. Vertical and lateral. You know, I've been talking about that. There's the vertical relationship and then there's the lateral relationship. He is in the people and he's in her. So you're going to see that in chapter 6. Then you've got chapter 7. They, be, they come together. She finds him. You want to know what happens in chapter 7? 
Chapter 7, they both together decide and discuss what they're going to do about getting loud. They talk to, with each other about what they're going to do about getting loud about their relationship. Chapter 8, evangelism. They get loud. So, I know. So Song of Solomon is just kind of like our story. And here we are talking about we've got to get loud, but you cannot get loud if you don't pursue him and you don't know where he's at. If you don't know where he's at, don't get loud because something else will. That's what we've been talking about. So it's about us making the decision to go and, and what's apprehend him and find him. And you're going to end up finding him in you and in the people and then you're going to discuss together and get loud about your relationship so that you can, you can bring the redemptive story and journey to everyone else, all the maidens that are watching this story play out. And it's, it's just beautiful. So does that give you guys a little bit of some overview to Song of Solomon so that when you guys are reading it, you guys are able to kind of insert yourself in the story? You guys okay? Okay. So not going to teach on it, but that's, that's uh, Song of Solomon. I will say from chapters 1 to 4, what? What? <laughs> well, I mean like deep teaching. But like chapters one through four is very much, um, well, never mind. I'm going to stop. Never mind. Okay. You guys okay? All right. So that's Song of Solomon. Then I'm not going to go into this, but just so you guys have the scripture ref reference for knowing it was uh, actually the scripture reference between these two is how I'm going to do this. It was First John 2. That is the, uh, that's the tie together between the two pillars that you can't walk in him if you don't know him, okay? But the actual scripture references that we are going to use for knowing is going to be And now you guys all know to write this down, right? Because in the family meetings, I ask, what's the scripture references? And you guys did so amazing at the last family meeting. You guys were like, Ephesians! What was the other one? Uh, Matthew 1. I mean, you guys were on top of it. This is Matthew 1, right? This is Ephesians. Remember Peter walking on water? And now we're getting into these two scriptures. So John 17, 25. And then we have Matthew 7, 21. And it's not just that scripture. It's like 21 to 23 and 25 through 26 is the other one, but... You guys got that? Okay, so I'm gonna read them. Just gonna read them, and I'm just gonna read them, and then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read them, and that's it. I'm just gonna read the scripture. I'm just gonna read it, and then we're gonna dive into what I'm seeing and what he's been showing me, and then we're gonna read them again. And I think that that's probably where we will end tonight. You guys doing okay? Okay. All right, we're gonna start with John. Um, okay. Oh my gosh. There's a lot. Okay. <laughs> All right. John 17, 25. Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Okay, I'm going to read it one more time. 
O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Okay? Next scripture, Matthew. Matthew 7, it's the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm just going to give just, I don't, I'm not going to get too much into this, but I do want to just, I, I thought that this was interesting. A lot of times when the Lord shows me the, the, uh, the red writing and the gospels and the different parables, he gives me a lot of context. Why was he teaching that at that time? What were the disciples doing? What were they doing that was so crazy that he had to say something like that? What, you know, what was going on? And with this, there's not a whole lot of context. This is Sermon on the Mount. You know what this means? Foundation. It's, it's not circumstantial. It just is. That's the way that I'm taking all these parables. You've got the Sermon on the Mount all the way from, I mean, you've got red writing for about three pages. This is just right, bam, wham. It's Matthew 7, the multitudes have come, and he's just, he's talking about anger, self-righteousness, the Beatitudes. He's just spitting it out. He's basically saying this isn't circumstantial. This is just foundational. You just need to know this. Meaning it's not like the disciples were with him for all these years, and he's like, you did all these things in my name, and you never knew me. He wasn't emotional. This is in the beginning. It's just foundational truth. All these things in my name and you did not and you didn't know me. Does that mean, is he's teaching us something outside of circumstance. He's just saying this is a foundational thing and I need you to get to this. Okay? So, Matthew 7:21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did, not, we, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You mean casting out demons and prophesying could be workers of lawlessness? That's crazy like everything I just said. It's like, I've been, but I've been married for 16 years. Yeah, you've been lawless the whole time. Could you, can you imagine? Okay, so without getting into it, I want to give some context, and then we're going to go back and we're going to read the word, okay? Um, I'm trying to think of how I want to do this. Okay. You guys know I'm a Hebrew fanatic, right? The reason why is because the scripture was originally written in Hebrew. So if I don't understand the Hebrew context, I miss a lot. Just reading it in English, we're very analytical. We're very black and white. We have to have things compartmentalized. It has to make sense. It has to be analytical. It has to have a start and a finish, and it has to make sense. Me personally, that is, I am a mathematician. One plus one is two. There is no other answer. In Hebrew, there is. And I hate it. 21 in Hebrew is not 21. It's two plus one is three. What is that? It just completely flips all American culture. 21 is 21. It's a prime number. Is that right? Oh, dang it. <laughs> 
21 is not 21. In Hebrew, it's two plus one, which is three, and three means something. So everything is mathematical, and yet everything is cyclical. Everything is circular. Everything has a different perspective. It is an amazing gift to sit into a meeting. I believe it's an amazing gift to sit in a meeting, and I can physically feel every single person's perspective, and every single person is absolutely right. And I can come into a meeting, and I have no agenda. I have no agenda except for to make sure that my sons and daughters are all heard and everybody understands what they're saying. Not that one way is right and the other way is wrong, but as long as everyone hears and understands what the other one is saying, we have been successful. I'm more concerned about the process, not the outcome. And not a lot of people walk that way because they don't know how to walk in him because they don't know him. Because he didn't come to, make, to say it's black and white. Read the scripture for two seconds and you'll realize it's not black and white. It's the most controversial, hypocritical thing you've ever read. It's one time it's right, the next time it's wrong. That doesn't make sense over here, but it does here. Well, what if it's this or what if it's that? You better know him because none of it's going to make sense if you're reading it from a Western culture mindset. So the reason why I have such an obsession for Hebrew is because it just brings so much context to what is really being said. So Let me, let me, so I, I'm going to start off with just a couple things. This doesn't have anything to do with the scripture. It's kind of a side note, but I think it's foundational, okay? Um, I have told you guys that you can read something in English, and it can be translated from the Hebrew, right? And you get multiple perspectives that way, right? There are also Hebrew symbols that are written within the scripture that are not translatable at all and are not in the English. So you can have an English sentence, right? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. And that can be written in Hebrew and we can, and it's translated for the most part that that's what it said. However, right in the middle, this is just an example, right in the middle of Genesis 1.1, let me see if I can write this down. I can't write in Hebrew else I would show you, but in... We're just going to say this is a Hebrew word. <laughs> okay? So for the sake of just this, this is Genesis 1-1 in Hebrew. Okay? In Hebrew, the words are, in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. Actually, it's, he created, in the beginning, the heavens and the earth, and it's actually written this way. And anyways, it's awesome. Okay. For the sake of this, this is just the Hebrew words that make up that sentence. In, and there's literally seven words in Genesis 1-1. Guys, this is just Genesis 1-1. There's seven words. This, I do know the symbol. I'm not writing that second one right. This symbol is right here, and it's not a word. So it's not translated in the English. This is a left tav. A left tav is like us saying the ABCs. A to Z. So literally, it says, in the beginning, he created A to Z, the heavens and the earth. But that doesn't make sense in English, so they don't translate this symbol, which is, the, which is a left tav, which is the alphabet. Are you guys tracking so far? To a Hebrew, what that symbol means is that it's saying, in the beginning, he created through his breath all language to make heaven and earth. Now listen, now go to his beloved, 
John. I always love going to John. That just happens to be the way I connect with God because if that was his favorite, <laughs> he probably has some revelation none of the other disciples had, right? So I go to John, and one of the only times it's ever said, what is the famous scripture that starts in his favorite disciples' gospel? Come on. This is just, it's so powerful. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That is the revelation of Genesis 1-1, and we think Genesis 1-1 said, in the beginning he created the heavens and the earth. And you went to Sunday school, and in the beginning, heavens and earth. Okay, great foundation. And we've missed this whole concept that in the beginning first was the word, So now you'll understand when I get into this, when I say I want to study the word no, why I go into the Hebrew, because if in the beginning his breath created language, there's a language as to why he chose the word yada. We say no, but he used the word yada. It's a beautiful language. Adam yadad Eve, and they bore a son. Well, we don't talk like that because we don't have that language, so we just say the word no, and we miss this whole Hebrew context of what yada is, and wait till I get into it. Powerful. But the reason why I bring all this up is because there's, not only is there the Hebrew word, like in the beginning, in is a big deal, but aside from that, there's also these little symbols. I'm gonna tell you how important this is. The, the Ruth. You guys know Ruth? Right? Jesus came from her. <laughs> so Ruth, after she meets Boaz, you see this symbol before her name. What that's showing in that story is to a Hebrew, before Boaz, she didn't have the ability to have all the fullness of her destiny before her name. It's like when, you, when you're reading and you see these symbols in Hebrew, it changes everything, or I should say adds to everything. Also, a lot of the stories in Genesis where like uh, birthrights were being sold, you'll see that symbol before the name, and then when the birthright's sold, it drops. You sell your birthright, all of creation, the destiny, and all of that stuff, just it's just not there. That means to, to a Hebrew reading it, it adds so much to the story. If this is all of his breath, all of his language, all everything is created from that is either there or not there before the name. Those type of things are lost in translation. So one of the reasons why I say to read Song of Solomon is to read the Passion Translation. And the reason why is because the author has a gift to not just translate word for word, but to translate the actual Hebrew meaning of what's trying to be said that we lose when we're just reading it in other translations. Okay? Do you guys understand a little bit about the Aleph Tov? And the alphabet and, and, and so, so what's so crazy is we've been reading this whole time and then sometimes we have doctrinal arguments. All of a sudden we've got two different churches that have split because in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and we create a doctrine out of it and they don't even know Hebrew. Or what you know and so so this is where things start to get start to get you know you, um it's the same thing of, of what we've talked about with the word church. The word church is not actually in the Bible in the context of what Jesus said because he didn't say the word church. King James made up that word. And then in the Webster Dictionary, the Webster Dictionary says church is a fellowship. 
But the word is ecclesia. Ecclesia is not a fellowship. Ecclesia is a governmental family. So, so we lose so much and we say, but this is the translation that I have to read. And this is the, I mean, I have people tell me, if you're not reading the King James Version, there's, so, okay. You guys okay? So there's so much to this language. And I'm, this doesn't have anything to do with what we were teaching. But I just want you guys to understand why I begin to study some of these symbols and some of these letters that are randomly just placed in there because it tells a full story. And so I get excited about those symbols. So I'm going to go into some of that. Is that okay to do that? So, um, so tonight what I want to do, are you guys okay if I erase all this? I don't know if I'll be writing anything, but I just felt like I needed a clean slate. <laughs> okay. So the word no in the Old Testament is yada. The Hebrew letters that spell yada is yod, delet, ayin. And I want to go into each of those letters because I believe that if we break down those letters, we're going to get an actual idea of what the word yada means. And then we're going to understand when we say no, what that actually means. Now, I want to make sure you guys understand for study purposes. I'm using the word yada, which is the Old Testament word. In the scriptures I just read to you, there is the word no, but it's not yada because it's in Greek. The word is, um, I wrote it down. I'm going to say it wrong. Um, Uh, where did I write it? Okay. I think, I mean, I might say it wrong. Um, gnosko. Gnosko or gnosko? I think it's gnosko. So the word in Greek is gnosko, but it is the equivalent to yada. So I study Blue Letter Bible. So I click on the scripture, and obviously that scripture says no. So I clicked on no, and then when I clicked on that type of no, because I'm going to get into it, there's a couple different no's. There's the knowledge of, and then there's no. And they're the same word in English. That's why we're missing it. It's like he can say one scripture, and it's the knowledge of, and in the next scripture, it's intimacy, and we've compl- we think they're both knowledge of. Uh, you said it. I can know that lilies are her favorite. That... <laughs> Not only can I know of that, but that doesn't mean I know her. I know about her. Now listen, I can take that information and tell you about her, and you can never have ever met her. And you can say, I know about her and never have talked to her. Okay, so this is what we're getting at when we know because that's going to be the difference. So in Blue Letter Bible, I click on the word, and uh, when I click on the word, when I studied the Greek, it was the same definition of, of, as yada. Does that make sense? So it's the same definition, gnosko, as yada, but it's the Greek word. Write down the word gnosko. Uh, yes, and it's uh, Strong's 1097. So these are the same. This is Hebrew. This is Greek. So anytime you see gnosko in the New Testament, it's the exact same definition as yada. Now, I can't write it because I didn't write it down, but there is another Strong's that is close to this. I think it's like, I'll find it for you. I think it's like Gineski. (laughs) That's wrong, but it's a lot like it. And that definition is to be aware 
the knowledge of, whereas this is literally sexual intimacy. It's the same as yada. You guys okay so far? So anytime after Matthew 1, you see the word no, there's going to be two different types of no that I know of. There might be more. But there's two different types of no. I will get the other one for you. I, could, I can probably find it before I leave. Um, actually, will you do that? It's in math. It's John 17, that scripture. Um, verse 26, that no is just knowledge of. It's verse 25. That's the intimacy one. And then give me the name for that. So anytime after Matthew 1, you're going to see this. It's the same as anything in the Old Testament. No is yada. Okay? But for the sake of tonight, I want to study this because I believe that this is going to bring us back to the original intent of really knowing. And then, uh, and then we'll understand the scriptures here. Okay? Are you guys still okay? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, verse 20, um, 26 is the, the word no. That whole no is all knowledge. It's verse 25 that has the intimacy one. Okay, I'm going to try to do this from just my own studying, and then I may like go into my notes because I want, I want us to kind of get the essence of this. So you guys know that every Hebrew letter has a number, right? Yod is 10, Dilet is 4. Does anybody know what Ayin is? You guys remember the cutting season? Ayin. I should have asked you guys. You guys all know Dillette, right? Four. We had our anniversary. Kingdom heirs turn four. The door, right? You guys remember that? And then Yod, I haven't gone over that, but it's 10. So for every Hebrew letter, there is a number. Just like A would be one, B would be two, C would be three. You have Aleph is one, Bait is two. Um, uh, oh my gosh. Aleph. Bait, what's number is it? Gimel, Dillette, right? So it's, anyways, and it keeps going. Okay, so uh, did you find it and I can write it down? So you're gonna see this, Strong's what? 1107. So there's two different Strong's. They both are the word no. So when you read it in English, you're going to just see, no, no. Did you guys read, when we were reading um, John 17, it was like, it was like the word no popped up like eight times. There's two different, it's, it's two different words. That's, so that's why I want us to go over this. This word is the word that's equal to yada. Okay? You guys okay? Okay. I'm just going to like say something and then we'll dive into it. Are you guys ready? Okay. The spark of all life, the seed goes through the pathway to be cut, to be crowned. <laughs> Think about this sexual intimacy, okay? The spark of all life, the seed, goes through the door to cut, to be crowned. That is the most high level 
definition that I can give for knowing. So when he says, I want you guys to begin to know me and not just walk with me, he's talking about an intimacy of, I want my spark of life, my seed to go through a journey, to be able to go so deep that you get so cut so that you can be crowned, so you can connect all of heaven on earth. That's that type of knowing. So now, now listen, when you're reading these scriptures, when we go back and read, you're going to be like, whoa, I never knew you. You did all these things in my name, but you never let my seed insert itself in you. You never got cut to be crowned. Yeah. That's what that's talking about. And yet we just read that like, oh, I never knew you. Because, you, right? And then sometimes we'll create a doctrine out of that. And we just say, well, if you didn't meet these requirements, you didn't know him. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't want to go down that road. Okay. So I'm going to keep going because each letter goes a little bit deeper. So I'm just going to start to read off what some, did you, did you get that word? <laughs> all right. So um, Yod, first of all, is the number 10. I find this a little interesting. This is just like a little side revelation. 10 does mean complete, so does 7. He completed to complete, to be completed to complete, right? It's just this, it's this constant, it's this constant flow. Okay, so Yod is it, literally in the Hebrew, you cannot have a letter. Now remember, what did I say about a left top? In the beginning, his language and his breath created everything. Nothing was created without Yod. Yod I can't, I'm not a great drawer, but it literally is that. It's like, it's a dot. It, they say in the Hebrew, you can't have any letter until your pen touches the, 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 pe the paper. That is the spark of life. It's the beginning of everything. It's the beginning of all language. It's, it's the spark of all things. Every single letter in the alphabet has a yod in it because it has the beginning mark. So, yod is Now. It's the completed work now. This is what Yod means. The completed work right now. The completed work right now can go through. Now finish out the word. Guys, this is just one word. This is what, this is what time with him can be like. It's never ending. Uh, Kaya, I went to a parent-teacher conference and she goes, I swear that you can make energy, but they tell me that energy can't be created. It can only be transformed. Think about that. You cannot create anything. It's already been created. The only thing that can happen is it can be transformed. You can't make anything. You're just, you're just transforming energy. You can't create anything. It just transforms. Glory to glory has a whole new meaning now. Glory isn't a new glory. It's just transforming his own glory. He's just transforming glory. It's not creating anything. It's just transforming. Okay, yo, now, all the completed work right now, all of creation, the dot, the ruach, the atom. It would be like Holy Spirit. Ruach is Holy Spirit in, in Hebrew, but it's like the atom of ruach, not Adam, the, the guy, the atom in science. It, it's, it's, that, it's, that, it's that dot. Um, it is... Another translation is, he will. Like, just let that sink in. He will. 
his arm reaches out to create, he will. So think about that letter in the beginning of all this. You guys okay? You guys okay? Okay. Door, so delet means door. It's the path to dreams. It hears the supply of heaven. Listen to this, you guys. We have a choice in Delet because the door opens or closes. It, it, it sees all of the supply of heaven, but the door can either shut or open. Journey. It's the journey. It's the portal. It's the pathway. It's the journey that we take. It's the door that's opened or closed to get to another thing. You guys all right? <laughs> Is it like, are you guys full or are you guys lost? Okay. If you're lost, I have no problem. We can back up. I just want to know, are you full or lost? It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> okay, Ayin. Do you guys remember the number six? Six is Vav. It means man. It is Earth's connection, right? Man was Earth's connection to heaven, Vav. Ayin is the crowned man. Okay? So, it means sword. It means to cut. It also means crowns. Remember when we would say the cut ones become the crowned ones. He comes to cut off what isn't his to be able to crown you for what his, is his. Right? Vav can be fully man, but Ayin is man that's been redeemed. Okay? Something that we have not talked about that Ayin is... <laughs> he is the transporter of time. What I mean by that is Ayin actually is the root of memory. So generational memories are represented by Ayin. This is why, Ayin, there's a choice. You get a memory from your past. Ayin has the ability to cut it off or we have the ability to nourish it. You can crown the memory or you can cut the memory. Okay? This letter is the one that brings the original intent by going back to go forward. It's going back to cut off what was not supposed to be there and to nourish what should be, to bring you back into a place where you are crowned in time. So now, put it all together, the spark of life, the completed work right now, the he will, the arm reached out, is going to go on a journey to open up the portals and the gateways to be able to allow the memories to be either nourished or cut, to be fully crowned. Okay? So to yada, to know him intimately, 
is to allow that all creation, he will spark of life to go through a pathway to be able to crown and fully redeem all things. That is not even the fullness, but that is a good overview of the word no. So you could go into Webster's Dictionary and probably rattle off maybe what, six different definitions of knowing And this is what he means when he says gnosko. It's a different type of walk. This isn't, when we say walk in him, this is walking in him. We're going to go back and read the scriptures, but it's talking about, it's talking about that seed. Uh, uh, Papa Ken tonight was doing a service and I just happened to click on and he said, um, oh my gosh, what did he, I can't remember how he said it in the beginning. Oh, he said, uh, a lot of people are claiming that they're uh, in revival, but there's not a whole lot of souls getting saved. What that is, is a refreshment. That's not a revival. But then he said, you know what we need to start being is our bodies need to start becoming wombs. I about fell out of my chair. He has no idea what I'm going to minister on tonight. We need to start becoming a womb. He, I don't even think he knows what he's saying. That's yada. We become a womb so that the spark of life can go through the door to come in and impregnate us so we can multiply on earth what it is that he wants to redeem. He wants the cut ones to be the crowned ones. And this is the fullness of knowing. Are you guys okay? Are you guys okay? So we're going to go back and we're going to read those scriptures. Isn't that crazy about Ayin? I didn't realize that that was a part of Ayin was memory. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be... I was, well. (laughs) I'm trying to think of how to say this like in the natural. How many of you have been in a place where that level of intimacy comes and emotion starts to come forward, whether it be trauma or blessing? What's happening? There's memories that are beginning to get stirred up. Why? I do want to talk, actually, I'm going to talk about this a little bit. I've been studying a lot about the Jewish culture about intimacy. Because we can say intimacy and we'll still have in an American culture our own filters on intimacy and still not understand what knowing means. I could say intimacy and we're all over the place and have 18 different definitions of what intimacy is. So what is intimacy? There is a stigma about the Jewish culture that thinks that intimacy is like you don't talk about it, you don't do it, and it's only for procreation. That is not true is not true at all. There's 613 laws. Several of them have to do with sex. There was a focused, intentional, and, and, it's, and, it, and it's beautiful when you begin to study it. But one of the things that really gripped me was, and I'm not going to do a good job explaining this, so I hope you guys hear it in the spirit, but it was, it was gripping my spirit, but I don't know how to say it. But um, it's the one place where divinity becomes reality. It's the one place where two worlds collide. It's the place where you have full access, but you can't say it's yours. I want you to think about that. it's, It's the best way for me to explain it would be humble encounter. I can encounter intimacy, but I can never say that was mine. I have full access to it, but I didn't create it. I, it, it's like heaven, I have full access to it, but I can't say I did this. It, it's that humble encounter. It's like, it's like where you're, you're fully divine and you're fully real. 
you're, you're, it's the two worlds are colliding and something, something magical happens in that, in the natural. But when he's talking about the spirit, the exact same thing is happening. When you're talking about Song of Solomon, when he talks about his bride and his passionate love, that's that type of, it's, it's fully real and, and fully supernatural at the same time. And so, so thinking about just that culture and the way that they were using that word brings a little bit of context too of such an intimate thing that they would say when they say something like yada, because it was talking about it was talking about that those intimate places. So let's go back and read. We're going to start with John again. Do you guys feel? Like this is going to give you guys a good foundation to chew on to be able to get the releasing of knowing. Okay, okay. Is it bringing more context instead of just saying, we have another pillar and it means I get to know you. Does it give a little bit more of how intense this is going to be when you realize, oh, I've been carrying your name. I didn't know you meant that. So we've gone from the shot in the arm once a week to daily, and then he's like, and then your daily routine's not been so yada. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> he, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be humble here, guys. I'm teaching this because he's revealing this to me. He says, do you think you've got some practical, like, application? And I was like, no, I don't know. Meaning I'm fully aware that I'm teaching a lot of this, but when he's like, okay, but what does that mean to you? Yada, God. I'm like, I don't know. I go, when we get to Song of Solomon 7, when we, when we get into chapter 7, then I'll know. <laughs> Maybe when, it, you know. But I, I just want you guys to know that this is, this is a, this is a, um, it's a, fr it, it, it's, oh, where did I hear that? It's, it's, it's fresh off the, yeah, I was gonna say oven. It's 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 fresh. It's freshly baked in the oven out of heaven, but it's not really being walked out on. I don't. I don't. Does, okay, you guys are right. So we're gonna we're gonna figure this out together. I just don't want anybody to walk away and feel shame or condemnation and be like, oh, I thought I was walking in Him. It's like this is a. Nothing can be created. It can only be, energy can only be, tra he's just transforming us into, into the energy. You have everything you need to understand this. All of creation, all the spark of life is all that you need. You have everything that you need for this, but he's going to begin to trans transfer that energy so that we can begin to walk in a different way. It's just like, um, I'm not great with physics, but I'm assuming it's like I'm holding a plug. If I'm wrong, just go with it. I'm holding a plug. <laughs> all of the power right i mean i'm holding my hot iron my flat iron it has the ability to, to do my hair the whole it has the contents to do it just needs to get energy transferred from the wall the spark of life in the wall is there my hot iron it's it's got everything it needs to straighten my hair it just needs to get a transfer of energy it <laughs> It needs to just go through the doorway and go inside and get some energy so that it can come out and do its job. <laughs> All right. Okay. So let's read these scriptures before I get myself in trouble. John, we're going to go to John first. Not first John, John first. Never mind. John 17. <laughs> 
Isn't that amazing how, I mean, just think about how amazing he is. And even just the, I, the, the beautiful picture of John the Beloved, his favorite one. And he starts off with, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. And it's like, do we think the word, like this book from Barnes and Noble, his language, his breath, his word. Now, I don't have time to get into it, but corona means crown. It's talking about breath. It's talking about respiratory. Wait till we get into some of this stuff. When he says, I am in him, it actually, in him, means there's a, I, I can't even talk to you about it, but it has to do with air and rest. I didn't even start to study it because I almost fell out of my chair. I'm like, I can't, I just, I can't. But I in them has to do with air and rest. And we're about to get loud and we got this virus thing that's talking about, you know, respiratory, you know, all that stuff. And it's like, oh, this stuff is so good. So, okay, Matthew 17, 25. We're gonna read this again. And I'm gonna tell you which no is which no, okay? So I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna tell you guys. Verse 25 is the intimacy word. Okay, so the first sentence I'm gonna read is the, is the gnosko, it's the yada. Okay, verse 26 is just the word no in Webster Dictionary. It is uh, norizo. How did you say that? Norizo. And it means the knowledge of. You guys got that? Okay, so the first sentence is the intimacy one, okay? Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not intimately know you, I know you. I know, I know you. And these know you that you've sent me. They intimately know that I've been sent, period. They intimate, so now there's another revelation. You can intimately know something and still just, that he, that he was just sent. They intimately know that I was sent, meaning that they do know that the, that the spark of life, that I came, period, okay? Go on to the next sentence. I made them aware, I, I gave them knowledge to them, your name, and I will continue to make it aware, make them aware that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. What he's saying is, is that they intimately know that I've been sent, but they do not know that I am in them. So I'm going to make them aware until they understand Yada. Do you see why there's two different no's? Because he's, he's explaining that there's a difference between the world intimately does know that you sent me, but that's it. Let's go back to our structure. They intimately do know that I was sent, period. But I'm going to continually let them know that I love them like you love me, that I am, that you are in me and I am in them. Yada, in them. So what happened was I started to study in them in the Hebrew and it was getting a little crazy. That's when the respiratory came out, the rest came out and it just got all, it just got good. So, but we're not gonna go there tonight. Does that make sense? The two different no's and reading that a little bit different and what he's getting at there. Are you guys good? Okay, Matthew. Matthew 7. 21. Okay. 
Now this one is pretty self-explanatory. The only no in this one is gnosko. That's why this scripture is intense. So Matthew 7, 21. Remember this is foundational. It's not, it's not uh, con- um, con- contextual. I was gonna say con- consequential. Same thing, it's not consequential. It's not contextual. It's not nothing. It's just foundation. We need to know it. Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes. Here we go, okay? <laughs> I'm just gonna read verse uh, 23. Well, we'll do 22. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never intimately yada you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So I did all these things in your name, and yet I never knew you to this level. Does that scripture sound a little bit different than the Christian memes that are out there and you know I you know you did all these in my name and I never knew you and we're thinking it's because he didn't know of us or whatever definition you've had in your head about knowledge I never knew you I never whatever you thought before uh, maybe it was um you didn't spend time with me today maybe it was I didn't um I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't hear your voice today. I didn't, it, it's not, it's not that type of no. It's you did all these things and I didn't know you. The spark of life, right? Going through the, 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 the path to be able to be cut, to be crowned. So in what I mean by that in a lateral sense, and I'm seeing this all the time, when I told you guys uh, recently that I'm not in a good place, there's a level of what I carry. When I release what's going on, it's not because I just studied the scripture. It's because I physically feel what the re- I feel what he feels based on the region. Do you know how lonely it is to walk with that kind of heart, to walk in such a manner that is wanting to give the spark of life so that you can be multiplied and yet you can know my name, you can know about me, you can know what I say on tonight, you can know and never know me. That level of loneliness in the region, it's just rampant. The examples go on and on and on. It could be leader after leader uh, will have mass texts and the first leader says, I've got this going on tonight, will you come? And it's a mass text about this person who needs, uh, who wants to have a get together. And immediately the next text, immediately, these are leaders in our region. Who are supposed to understand this. The next text immediately was like, that does not even address that that sounds great. Oh, by the way, I was in a meeting this morning. What if we did this over here? It in my mind, this is what happens to me. I read that and I feel <laughs> you did all this in his name and you didn't get it. You, you're doing all this in his name and you didn't get it. And I'm not saying that based on God. I'm just saying that based on the first person who released a text. I'm saying I'm feeling it on behalf of what she said was super powerful. She said, I am made in the image of my father. That means my heart wants to be known. That's because he wants to be known. So I'm not even talking about in the, inst- the, uh, in the perspective from the father. I'm just looking at the first person who sent the text. I have a heart for that person who's crying out for other leaders to support him. And immediately it just becomes a platform for somebody else's agenda. 
that you doing all this in my name and you never knew him who's trying to, it, it, it's rampant. The selfishness is crazy. The, the, the greed, the hoarding, the, the, the totally unaware, completely unaware. What's going to happen when we become a people that understand yada with one another, with him and with one another? What's going to happen when we become that bride in chapter six that decides, yes, my response was delayed, but I'm going to get up and I am going to pursue and I'm going to find him whatever the cost and I'm going to find him in the garden. I'm going to find him in the midst of the people. I'm going to find him in me. That, that type of passion, that type of passionate love is, is, is what ends up happening. It's not just studying, but you'll begin to feel what he feels when he has, um, when he has all of this to release and then it's still lonely. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like in that scripture, I can feel him. You're doing all of this and using my name. You're, you're claiming to be married. You're doing all this and you're saying my name over and over and over again. And yet I, I don't know how else to say it, but I didn't know you. I didn't impregnate you. We didn't multiply. I didn't, um, I'm not, I mean, it's pretty intimate. I'm, let them know that I am in them. That in means actually in. He's saying, I want to be in you. That we would be walking vessels of him inside of us. And yet we'll feel guilty because we invited him into our daily life for the day. And we lived with him, but we were maybe hand in hand. And for a while that season got us by and it was good. Before I ignored him. Before I hated him. He was annoying. I had to go to church and I had to pray and I had to read my word. Then all of a sudden I was like, oh, he's good. Then I was like, okay, I like to walk and hold hands with him. And now he's saying, no, 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 no. I don't want to just walk with you. I want to walk in you. You are my vessel. You are my spark of life. You are my doorway. You are my vessel. You are the one that connects heaven and earth. You are the one that's been cut to be crowned. You are the one that has the spark of life. Spark of life seed. You are the one, the seed, the seed that goes through and into. You're like a walking Mary. We become a womb. We become a walking Mary. We become the one that's been impregnated supernaturally to carry the answer. Not because we're waiting for him. He already did it. We carry the answer, the seed within us to birth something to show the world that there is an answer for them. Amen? That's that level of knowing. That's why he could say you're doing, and he's telling the church. Sermon on the Mount was to the people who were following him. He's, I mean, he's talking to the people who cast out demons in his name. These are religious people, guys. These are people who get it. These are us. These are the people being like, in the name of Jesus. We're, he's talking, I'm talking to me. He's talking to me. I, I, I've had a rough week. He's talking to me. You've been preaching in the name of Jesus. And he's like, man, you're not connected. No energy. <laughs> Flat iron is fully there and you are not. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> right? I, 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 I have it all, but I'm not doing anything. I'm not. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but that's what he's talking about. 
This is a real thing, but can you imagine being a people so passionate and on fire for being able to hear the word of the Lord that he wants to know us. He wants to be known by you and he wants to know you. Could we reverse it that it's just not about him coming out and trying to figure us out, but it's about us being so in pursuit of that passionate love that I wanna know everything about you so that I can have access to the energy that's already been created so I can have the fullness of it so that I can go and multiply and work work not do all these things in his name but work hey anyways it's gonna be good i just right? wanna i just wanna say a couple quick things so oh god where he's like let me clarify no no i'm not there's massive equip this is massive foundational equipping like this should be born again, hour number one of, of being saved. Massive equipping, foundational equipping. And basically what she's saying is, is we're carriers of a crown to yeah. be duplicated. And I wanna, I wanna give a weapon of intercession tonight, just as before, before, we, before we begin to close, is that she mentioned Corona means crown. Corona means crown. Let's just put it in perspective. Let's look at what the enemy's doing to see mm -hmm. what God's doing. Yes. Corona means crown. Virus, if you look at the definition of a virus, it means a piece of DNA capable of copying itself for the detriment of the one who's carrying it. So we're talking about a crown and we're talking about duplication. We're talking about a crown, a completed work being duplicated. And so we need to realize that when we talk about Yod Delet Ayin and we talk about the stores being empty because there's a false crown being duplicated. Do you guys know what a false flag is? Amber, what's a false flag? I know you know what it is. Okay, if you hear the term false flag, it's a covert operation designed, designed to deceive a false flag, something being done in the name of our country, but it's really not being done in the name of our country or the banner that we carry. It's designed to deceive. Coronavirus is a false crown mm -hmm. that's being duplicated. It's a piece of DNA that's duplicating itself to the detriment of the one who's carrying it. So look at what the enemy is doing. He's, he's presenting a false crown. It's called crown virus. Let's just call it for what it is. This is let's let's be in the spirit here. I don't want to hear anybody say coronavirus. It's not the crown, it's the false crown virus. And the enemy is pushing it forward as a manifestation because really what's happening is you carry the completed work in you wherever you go yeah. and you step from a heavenly place through the door to yep. an earthly place yep. to bring transformation. Mm -hmm. And so we need to think, we need to be so in the spirit. And we've already talked about that. And there's, there's, there's a false crown and there's a real crown. Mm -hmm. They're both banners that we represent. There's the, the crown is a banner that we represent when we step through the door from a heavenly place to an earthly place to transform. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I wanted to say is there's, like she said, if, if she pursues Kendra and knows Kendra and tells Amber about Kendra, Amber's knowledge of Kendra is essentially false. Right? There's a difference between knowing and knowledge. 
There's a difference between me knowing about her and, and me knowing her. Because me knowing yada her is not based on my knowledge of her. It's based on how I position myself with respect to her. Does that make sense? How we position ourselves with respect to Christ, we pursue him, produces knowledge. Knowledge is not a basis of knowing him. Right. Right? It's the pursuit. More it's the process. More awareness, more knowledge out of Yadah. Amen. But that, this was massive equipping tonight. Like, do not, do not just, oh, that was awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go about my business just like I'm going to go about my week. This, this is an absolute pillar that goes deep into the ground. Amen.